Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and MD. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. And I'm MD. And we just want to say thank you guys for participating in our poll last week. We actually um, made a poll that asked if you want to get more missing person cases. And you guys overwhelmingly said yes. Oh. So we will be releasing more of that. You know, it's it's nothing like fine-tuning your... Um, audience and and giving them the cases they want absolutely i'm here for that so yeah thanks for speaking up and we will definitely have another missing person case for you next week yes so we want to go ahead and encourage i think just about everybody i'm missing and maybe two of our winners has reached out via instagram so if you haven't you have until june 23rd to do so so that we can send you your gift cards everybody who has sent it i will be putting that in the mail very soon so thank you guys again romantic said i can't even believe i won i never win any of these okay girl listen that's exactly what my husband said he says he never wins yeah i i typically don't either so it's always a blessing (laughs) you know it's always a blessing but yeah, so uh, MD, what what are we doing today? What so case we have are we doing another case for you, and it you know goes with our theme: infamy, missing person. And we, I chose a case that originated out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah, we Oak don't Cliff, typically Texas do to be Oak Cliff. You know, we don't typically do cases here locally. And so I thought that we could choose a case that was pretty infamous here in Dallas. And if you don't know, that's exactly why it fits into our theme so that we can make you aware. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a case about Lavetta Armstead. Do you have a title for us, Steph? I don't. Well, we are going to have to come up. We'll circle back. Circle back. So grab your coffee if it's the morning or your wine if it's the evening. But either way. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So let's get right into Lavetta Armstead. We're going to do something that we usually don't do here, which is play a short clip. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize if some of it is inaudible, but I'll come back and kind of explain what happened as we get into this case. Do you need police or paramedics? What's going on? <laughs> they asked me. Don't, don't lock the door. <laughs> What's going on? Do you need 
Okay. I know some of that was very kind of like, what? But police were actually called out to a home in Oak Cliff, Texas on the evening of September 21st, 2009. Investigators first walked in into a, you know, a typical household. You know, it, it looks typical. They go into the house. Everything in the foyer is orderly, normal, and they make their way back to the master bedroom, and that's when they can see that something has gone terribly wrong. There's a woman lying on the floor on her back. She's obviously deceased, and from what they can tell, she was stabbed multiple times. So she had multiple stab wounds. There's blood everywhere. Um... They walk into the adjacent bedroom in the master bedroom and they see a crazy amount of blood, as we have already said. Um, But they see a small child lying on the floor and she's bound. Her hands are bound behind her back and she's lying right in front of the tub. So they don't see any stab wounds on her at all. Like, you know, just like they saw the woman on the floor, they can't see any apparent stab wounds. And so they're trying to figure out immediately, how did she pass away? Like, what happened? Because she's obviously deceased as well. They soon learned that the victim or victims is Lovetta Armstead and her six-year-old daughter, Jasmine Montgomery. So who is Lovetta? So, friends and family describe Lavetta as having tons of personality. She was contagious to be around. She, you know, cared for many people. And lots of people just said she just had this vibe about her that when she was around, she exuded positivity. And she was the life of the party. At age 20, she had her first child. His name was JT. And by the age of 27, she had three children. Their names... There was two boys and one girl, JT, Jared, and Jasmine. She loved her kids. That's one of the things that was a resounding, resoundingly articulated about her on the show that we watched and in court documents. And everything she did, they said that she did for them. She was a teacher and a single mother. And she often had to leave JT, the oldest, in charge of the other two kids because she was hustling to make sure she can make ends meet as a single mother. But despite the fact that she hustled for everything, she exuded positivity and there was just so much joy and love in their home. In 2008, she introduced her boyfriend, Gary Green, to her children. And this is something that I think a lot of single mothers, you know, do is they may be dating for a while, But they wait. They wait some time before they feel like the relationship is serious before they introduce them to their children. And this is exactly what Lavetta did. She waited. And once she felt like this is a serious relationship, then she introduced them to her children. And shortly after he moved in and the two of them got married. So it was a quick, quick courtship, quick courtship, you know, and I don't even know if it was quick courtship, but. By the time he moved in, it was like a wham, bam, thank you, man. Yeah, because like when you're when you're in your late twenties, when she was about twenty seven, you know, right. you kind of know what you want, right? Like the dating and the long courtships that we're used to, you know, it's like for what we know what we right, want. Let's we know, do. let's get it done, and so they did. And when he moved in, though, 
everything changed. So remember I said, you know, they had this positive, just energy in the house, all this love and joy. But when he moved in, that that changed, that energy changed. He was very controlling and JT described him as abusive. He said that he would whip the kids without consideration for what they did and for, you know, where he was whipping them. Because, you know, like, you know, as a, as a parent, you everything doesn't deserve a whipping. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, like that's, for, for me, that's like the most the last, extreme. It's yeah, the last, outright it's, disobedient. Even absolutely. Then, you know, we need to have a talk. We need to talk. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> for sure, 1,000%. But that's not how Gary was. Gary was just like, everything was a whipping. And he, you know, was very abusive. Friends said that Gary was just not a good fit for Lavetta, And they believed that she could do better. But apparently... That even if it was communicated to her, it didn't change how Lavetta felt about him, and she obviously stayed. It said that uh, fights and arguments could be heard throughout the neighborhood, and so people knew that he was abusive and that there was some sort of domestic violence happening. And one of the reasons why friends said that he wasn't a good fit for Lavetta is because she loved her kids, and he didn't seem to love her kids right they didn't seem to like them that's a problem it's a huge problem because if you don't like my kids you don't like me amen that's that's how i feel so um but lavetta was also being physically abused jt described an incident where one time he wasn't sure if she was being abused at first but he said he described an event about how one time she came home from the hospital and had a cast on her leg and that's when he knew my mom's also getting abused Mm. so she tried to protect or keep her kids from him as much as possible even though they lived in the same home but she was also fearful of him his abuse escalated over time it started as mental abuse as it we all know that's typically how it starts and then it became physical the kids were fearful lavetta was fearful it was just an energy of fear in this home and on september 21st 2029 everything came to a head so latasha bradfield was a next door neighbor and she stated that on the evening of september 21st she was not awakened because she was watching TV, but just kind of disturbed by hearing this beating on the door. When she gets there, she finds that JT and Jared are crying. Jared is on the phone with 911 and JT is uncontrollably crying. She takes the phone from Jared and talks to 911. And that's the call that you heard uh, that Steph played for you at the beginning of the, of the podcast. And she talks to 911 and says, listen, I don't even know what's going on, but I will walk over to the house, which I think is really bold of her because I can't say that I would do the same. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to stay here with these kids until you guys get here. Yeah, but probably adrenaline and just like not knowing, right? No, for sure. I think that's exactly what it was. And, you know, Latasha said that this was her friend. So she obviously wanted to know what was happening. So she walks over to the house all the while staying on the phone with 911. And she walks into the master bedroom and sees Lavetta on the ground. She calls out to her. You hear this on the 911 call, her calling out to her to see if she would respond. She doesn't respond. And so she tells 
911, I'm not going to touch anything. I'm just going to go back out. She's not responding. She says that as soon as she, you know, got home, she ran back to the house and she, all she could do was hug the boys because she knew that their lives would be forever changed. She, she did say on the 911 call that she couldn't find where the six-year-old was. She was like, I can't find the six-year-old child. I don't know where she is. So she must not have scanned, you know, the room to kind of see, but, and I'm, I'm sure like she said on this show, which is evil lies here. Shadows of, of dark. Is that the name? Yeah. Something like that. We'll have it in the show notes, but she states that it took her years to get this scene out of her mind. So I'm sure just even seeing Lavetta on the ground, helpless, bleeding profusely was enough to take her out and enough to not have her try to search for the six-year-old Jasmine. Yeah. So kind of let's let's now that we know the back background of what kind of led up to these events, let's kind of dig into what happened on the 21st. So JT and Jared went to Bible study. And when they came home, they, you know, it was a normal evening for them. Shortly after getting home, JT says he he, he hears his younger brother, Jared, scream, um, screaming for his mom. And so, you know, JT is trying to figure out what's going on with Jared. And he comes around the corner and Gary is actually holding Jared by his collar. So we already know what we're about to get into. He's abusing the children. Right. Here we go again. Right. Yet again. And he could tell that Gary was, it was an unusual type of anger. It wasn't the same type of anger that he had put on display before. And I think that that's pretty observant. You know, right. he did. I mean, he even noted that like his eyes were just evil. Yeah. Like, you know, in hindsight, looking back, he said he remembered like just looking into Gary's eyes. It just looked like he wasn't there. And it, that's something that I feel like I've heard a lot when you talk to victims or someone that sees somebody that's in this murderous state that they, and I believe that's demonic. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, pure evil. Um, and so Gary's on a different level. He has a knife in in the other hand. So he snatches up Jared in one hand with this, with one hand and in the other hand, he has a knife. So, you know, this is just this the scene, okay? He throws Jared on the bed next to JT and locks the door. And Gary then says, give me a reason why I shouldn't kill you. These kids are absolutely, first of all, they don't know what's going on. Like, they just came in from Bible study, okay? Right. They just came in from praising the Lord. You know, they trying to just be children. And then, you know, they come into a climate that, is crazy like has went from zero to 100 immediately right like it's it's really interesting that you say that Steph that they just came from bible study they went from one like pure innocent loving place to literally hell Mm -hmm. you know and that I mean just the dichotomy of that for an adult brain but being able to just process that for a child and then how dare you ask a child right like give me a reason why I shouldn't kill you right what is that right so JT is the oldest and you know but he's so shocked and stunned Jared the youngest who was just snatched up tries to respond but of course Gary is like 
be quiet. Don't, I mean, I'm saying be quiet. He tells him to shut up. And he actually stabs Jared in the stomach like it was nothing, y'all. Just like, crazy. Just stabs him in the stomach. JT finally, you know, he finally gets his bearings after witnessing this crazy scene. His brother stabbed on the, on the bed next to him. This man is a lunatic. And he tries to get up to protect his brother. He stands up. He pushes Gary. But, of course, JT is no match for Gary. Gary's 6'3", 275 pounds. And it didn't really do anything. But for whatever reason, saving grace, prayers of their grandmothers and family, it actually moved Gary kind of like enough to kind of like back up. You know what I mean? To like, okay. Snap out of it. To like, snap it's out almost of it. Almost like he was like, oh, okay, yeah. let me come back to myself right. somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> so Jared just continues to kind of like plead with him and kind of bargain him. Like, hey, come on, man. We're, we're, we're too young to die. Like, we can, we can live. We won't tell anybody. And slowly but surely, JT talks him down. Or Jared, Jared. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Jared talks him down. Because Jared actually intercedes and they both, you know, Jared eventually talks while him down. While he stabbed. Keep while this he in stabbed. mind, guys. Like this, He's the younger brother. While he stabbed. It just kind of shows you the difference between children. And I think this is really interesting having four kids myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we automatically think that the oldest is sometimes going to be the one that is is more stable and and but that's not I mean it, it can't be that but if that's not your personality right and so mm-hmm. J- Jared obviously is the more calm probably even-headed person of right. the two so it's interesting that he's the one very interesting and then he's the one who had got just physically assaulted too like, right so absolutely whatever the case thank God you know Gary does allow them he doesn't kill them Okay, he allows them to live. But he actually asks them a question. He says, do y'all want to see something? And he tells the boys to follow him and takes them down to their mom's room. And they see their mom laid out on the floor. She's obviously dead. And, you know, JT describes her body as discolored purplish, which lets me know that she had been dead for a while. Right. Right. So... This this scene happened before they even got there. And the boys run to their mother, you know, begging her to wake up, crying, just, you know, absolutely hopeless and just praying for a miracle, I'm sure. Because, I mean, this is a nightmare. This is what nightmares are made of. And, you know, they look up from their mom and they see that their sister Jasmine is taped up and bound by the bathtub. And... You know, they they don't really know what's going on there, but they're just so, you know, as you can imagine, they're just they are sick with with disgust that their mom is on the floor, that this is happening. Jared is still stabbed. I mean, right. like, like, all, like what this is chaos. this is it's utter chaos. And Gary has the audacity, Steph, in this moment to actually say, I killed your mom because I loved her to death. I mean, there are no words. I mean, like, what is that? Seriously. You know, it's just you, the scene you just described. In the midst of all that chaos, you still have the, first of all, why would you take me to see my mom? Right. I mean, that's evil. And then you tell me that you killed her because you loved her to death. That's evil. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, pure evil. And so, you know, Gary actually hands JT the phone and instructs him to call the police and leave. And he tells them both, both boys, I know I tell y'all, see you later, never goodbye, but this is goodbye. And then he leaves. Just trash. Like, just utter trash. So why did this happen? Why did this happen? So we know that we've already painted to you what the investigators saw when they arrived on the scene. And so as they began their investigation, they, they found three handwritten letters in the home. Two letters were written by Lavetta, and, and those two letters were basically to Gary telling him, this relationship isn't working, our marriage is like toxic, and it's best that we go our separate ways. And so what we know, now we know the backdrop of that night was Lavetta right. was leaving. And so then there's this third letter. And this letter actually is the blueprint of what happened that night because it's the letter from Gary to Lavetta. And in this letter, Gary states that, you know, Lavetta, you know, he says, you, you asked to see the monster and that you made me into the monster that I have become. Yeah, sure. Sure, Gary. Right. Thanks, Gary. I did that. Okay. And he goes on to literally detail out his plan for that night that he intended to kill all five, to, to, to take five lives. So that would be Lavetta, JT, Jared, Jasmine, and then himself. He said he knew he would burn in hell, but he hoped that maybe God would accept him into heaven. Mm. And so <laughs> I be the nerve of this man. So, you know, the police set out to, you know, they, they, you know, unlike most crimes, right? Most crimes you are a murder where the the perpetrator is not there. You you're having to really dig like what 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 do we have? What looks like happened? And you're using that valuable time to just piece the pu- the puzzle together. Here, they didn't really have to do a lot of that. Oh, all of it was there. Yeah, in a perfect every, bowl. Like, they knew exactly. So Absolutely, yeah. they knew it was a premeditated. They knew that who did it. And they knew who they were looking for. Right. Um, and why he did it. And 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 why and the why. Exactly. And so, you know, they, they set out to find Gary. He he was on the run, but luckily Gary's family actually encouraged him to turn himself in and they they drove him down to the police station and walked his butt in there. Yeah, like, no, bro. You no, we're not lie. yeah, you gonna have to go. Yeah. Cause you, what? Yeah. What it is was probably happening? just a matter of time anyway. But for sure, for sure. I think sure. that was very prudent of them to just be like, no, like you need to go to jail. Yeah, I love you, but this is where you you need to be. So the the police, you know, actually invested. They they interview Gary when he gets there. We don't know what JT and what happened while JT and Jared were at Bible study. So in Gary's interview, he actually talks about how he had came home, and you know. Lavetta told him, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm, this isn't working. And I don't know if, you know, it wasn't clear if she actually handed him the letters or if she just said to him, I'm leaving. But that enraged, it enraged him. And so at that point, he decided, I'm going to get her back. Mm. And so he knew, 
He knew, like we've already stated, that what the one thing Lavetta loved was her children. And so he goes to Jasmine and he duct tapes her mouth. He binds her up, ties her up, and then he carries her body into the master bedroom where Lavetta was. And he shows her, look what I've done. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you know, Jasmine's still alive at this point, you know, kicking, I'm sure, fighting, trying to get out. And Lavetta's like, you know, let go of my child. Like, I mean, you imagine, I mean, I don't think we have to, to work hard to picture this scene here. As a mother, I know I don't, you know, and she's fighting to have her child. And so he throws Jasmine on the bed and, and basically props her up so that she can watch what he does to his, to her mother. Wow. And he begins to stab Lavetta. He said upwards of 30-something times. This was so gruesome and so violent. Now, I want, you know, in the documentary, it didn't really talk about, you know, whether Lavetta fought back or anything like that. And, you know, I had to know. And I had to go read the court documents. I had to go do my additional research because I needed to know. But she did fight back. You guys, she did fight back. She got a knife. She was able to stab uh, Gary in the shoulder in the back of the shoulder twice so much and so that it did kind of pause Gary you know and cause him to to reassess but she had already she had already been stabbed so many times that it just it wasn't enough he stabbed her so bad guys that the knife broke and he actually goes and picks up another knife and continues to stab her Mm. all the while Jasmine, her six-year-old child, is watching this. Gruesome. Just, just evil. I mean, you know, it's, there's not enough words in the English language to really describe what this is other than evil. And so after she is gone, and it actually, the, the autopsy report actually revealed that she died a slow death. So she bled out. It was painful. It was excruciating. Excruciating. So she didn't die immediately, but I'm sure she, you know, was not able to move, was not able to do anything. He picks up Jasmine and he goes and fills up the tub and he proceeds to drown this little girl. He stated in his interview, Steph, that it was so violent, this part was so violent that he could not, he said he can't get that image out of his mind. He actually turned away. And the investigator that interviewed him stated that it was the only time that he got choked up during the interview. Wow. And, you know, the investigator said he hopes that that image haunts him until his death. Hmm. Because while you couldn't stand to look at little Jasmine fight for her very last breath, you continued, you continued to hold her down. Yeah. You carried out the act when you could have stopped at any point in time. At any point. So does Gary confess, Steph? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I mean, does he, does he go to trial for this murder? He actually does go to trial. So he, you can tell us why, because I'm, I'm stumped. So he goes to trial, guys. So just because you confess and just because we we obviously know that he had 
they had all the evidence that they needed against him. It's just like, you could not have given a better case to a prosecutor. Here's the motive. Here's the person. Here's the confession. But this, this case actually goes to trial because he can still plead not guilty by reason of insanity oh, or by reason sense. of, and, and what he did was by reason of intellectual disability. So his attorneys basically tried to argue that he was intellectually disabled. Mm. And I don't have all the details of what they were trying to say that, you know, like if his brain was on the, the age level of, you know, whatever, or if there was some trauma, I just, honestly, I was so disgusted that, that he even would inflict this kind of additional harm against the family, the family, because while you quote unquote spared the lives of the sons, truthfully, you really did take five lives that day. Yeah. And then you made these two boys relive it and actually have to come to trial and testify against you. Yeah. It's just, it was his Hail Mary, but it just showed how selfish he actually was. Right. And it, and it wasn't, and what the trial actually did do was to reveal that this was not an isolated event. His domestic abusive acts escalated over time. He was abusive to previous girlfriends who were able to come on the stand and show pictures of ligature marks where he choked them out um, and, you know, tried to kill them. And, you know, so this absolutely escalated over time. The jury witnessed a video that the investigator on the documentary described as completely heartbreaking, where she just kind of sang to the jury in a home video that her mom made, and it said there was no dry eye in the gallery that day. So this is completely heart-wrenching because not only was Lavetta's life taken, but also her six-year-old daughter who we all know didn't even get to see even an ounce of her life. The jury obviously convicted him. I don't want to say obviously, but it seems very obvious to me. The jury convicted him of capital murder and he was sentenced to death. Well, that's great. Yeah. He was sentenced to death. And at the time of this documentary, he was actually still on death row. But my additional research uncovered that on March 7th, of this year at 7.07 p.m. He was, he received a lethal injection and was, his death was carried out. Steph, can you actually read his final words, words yeah, to us? Sure. His final words were, Veta, Jared, Ray, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I apologize for all the harm I've caused you and your family we ate together, we broke bread together, we laughed and cried together as a family. I'm sorry I failed you. There's nothing I can do. I'm not just saying that because I'm laying on this gurney. We were all one, and I broke that, that bond right or wrong. I took not one, but two people that, all, that we all loved, and I had to live with that while I was here. I ask that you forgive me, not for me, but for y'all. I'm fixing to go home, and y'all going to be here. I want to make sure you don't suffer. You have to forgive me to heal and move on. Sorry, JT, I always loved you, and I told you I will never say goodbye, but this is goodbye. There's nothing I can do to bring your mom and sister back. 
One thing about the man I used to be is that I never stopped loving y'all. See y'all on the other side. God bless you. I'm done. Warden. And there's that. Yeah. So. That's our case. That's our case. Let's slide into these takeaways. <laughs> Let's slide mercy. In. Before we slide into these takeaways, I think that the title of this case should be Just Evil. Okay. Yeah. Just Evil. All right. So, takeaway. Takeaway, take Steph. Um, take, take us away, because I'm sure I'm just going to agree. Yeah. Um, you know, this this case is, um, I know that we have covered cases on here before um, where we obviously talk about domestic abuse. I don't ever think you can tell too many of these stories. I don't. I think they're all worth repeating and worth talking about because that's how serious it is. We have to encourage people that we know to get out of these relationships identify the red flags of these relationships um and i know that by us coming on here and telling these stories that we're helping people we're helping people to encourage their friends and family if they're not in the the situation themselves you probably know someone who is and so my takeaway is simple you know we really have to be vigilant as women to protect each other Um, as much as we can to speak up to um, you know just to be aware that monsters are not on the bottom of your bed or in your closet they are people that you know so that's my takeaway I think that's a really great takeaway Steph especially in light of the fact that the neighbor Latasha discussed at the end of this documentary I thought it was it was so profound for me because she discussed how she felt you know that she wished she had done something different she wished she spoke up she knew that there was domestic abuse going on you know not just because she heard it but because she's lived it she's lived through domestic abuse and so she recognized it but she thought that it was better to allow Lavetta to to come through it that she would get through it just like she did that she didn't want to break the family up by going and telling social services or by calling 911 and I think far too often we do that that's exactly what many of us do we don't want to that's not my business you know I'm just trying to stay you know I'm just trying to you know mind my business okay mind the business that pays me and that doesn't pay me so I'm just gonna stay over here but that is so wrong and I think exactly what Latasha described it as at the end that was profound for me was she said I was a part of the cover-up that eventually killed Lavetta and her six-year-old daughter and I was like wow that is I mean obviously she did not commit this murder but could things have been different we don't know you know what I mean because at the end of the day Lavetta could have stayed. Lavetta, even if she had called the police, even if she had called social services, we don't know what could have been different. But you want to be able to know that you did all that you could do. And I think a lot of times 
we'll see the red flags. We will witness the abuse and we will turn our heads. We will look the other way and we will think that we're doing the better thing by doing that. And ultimately, you could be the domino that could have changed everything. So I think what Steph said is also mine. I told you I was probably going to agree, but we've got to speak up. We've got to be allies. And, you know, you don't have to put your name. You know, I was telling Steph after, you know, when we were discussing this, you don't have to go insert yourself into the fight. You don't have to go break it up, stop the argument, yell at the person, try to fight the guy, you know, or the girl. Because let's be clear, there are women out here domestically abusing men. It's real. It's very real. But you don't have to insert yourself in that way. You know, calling the police, calling 911, that is anonymous. You can do that anonymously. Calling social services is absolutely an an anonymous thing that you can do. So you can do certain things that doesn't allow yourself to be inserted into the business. But you know you're doing something that could potentially save this person's life and possibly the lives of their children because JT and Jared their lives are for although they're still here their lives are forever changed and impacted by such an, a devastating loss not just losing their mother but losing her in that way and then having to witness her body and the body of their sister that is traumatic and I pray for them Yes, absolutely. So we just want to go ahead and give out the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. It's 1-800-799-7233. You can also text START to 88788. And they have chat. They have an official website, www.thehotline.org. Everyone deserves relationships free from domestic violence. So when you're ready, they are there to help, listen, and support 24-7, 365 days of the year. So that is it. Um, I don't think we have any more announcements or anything like that so we will see you guys next week make sure to keep reviewing us share if you care with friends and family until next time this is murder in the black bye